For our teaching this morning, we're going to hear from Abby Sachek. Abby is a campus minister and leader of New Culture Church. From Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, Abby challenges us to dare to sit at Jesus' feet. Good morning, FCBC. If I haven't met you, my name is Abby Sachuk, and I'm so excited to be with you today getting to share this message. Um, the title of my message today is Daring to Sit at the Feet of Jesus. So I thought that I would sit as I share with you um, today. So um, I'm really excited about this message and when uh your church reached out to me and asked me to speak. I knew right away that this was going to be one of those teachings that the Lord really was teaching me along the way, and he has been doing just that. So we're going to be reading this morning from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them and feel free to read along. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed or indeed only one Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her let's pray today Heavenly Father we thank you so much for your word that still speaks to us today God I ask that as these words are spoken that you would speak directly to each and every single heart that is listening today and would we leave this place learning just how loved we are by you and learning how to look just a little bit more like you every day. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this story that we already get to see. And we start to kind of see this tension of we see one sister who is so hung up on the preparations, who is so caught up in making sure everything's right and everything's ready. And then we have the other sister, Mary, who is sitting there and she just wants to be with the guest of honor. Now, for all of us, we may initially relate to one or the other. And, and maybe if you grew up in church, this story is familiar to you. And if you haven't, maybe it's new. But either way, I think that the Lord has something new for all of us to hear as we look at these stories. You see, Martha a lot of times gets kind of dubbed as having the wrong heart or the wrong thing going on. But I, I want to talk for just a second here about Martha before we get in, because I do think that sometimes we misunderstand her just a little bit. You see, Martha was courageous in the fact that she first and foremost had a friendship with Jesus, which at this time, it would have been a little controversial for her as a woman to have a close friendship with Jesus. 
but we see that that we she had that but then the courage goes a little, even a little bit further because it would be one thing for her to be friends with Jesus at that time but it would be another for her to be so closely associated with him that he would be in her home and now this is because at when the story takes place we see that Jesus was already starting to be disliked by the people around him. There was already this controversy around Jesus. So the fact that Martha was willing to open up her home to him was a big deal. This was bold. This was courageous on her side. As other people and authorities were already trying to find ways to kill Jesus, she could have had every reason to not associate with him, but she did. So we see right here that both of them in the beginning are being courageous and saying, we're going to show that we want to be around Jesus. Um, I tend to relate to Martha a lot in this because I'm like the go-getter type. Like, I just want to conquer the world. I'm like, let's do it. And, and so I see this in her where I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like, she was just so wanting to go, 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 go. One of the things that was said to me a few years ago as I was early in my pastoral ministry was someone said to me that we have to be so cautious that we don't get to the end of our life and realize that we spent all our time telling people about a Jesus that we didn't know. I want to say that again. We have to be so cautious that we don't spend our entire lives telling people about a Jesus we didn't know. You see, you see in Martha, there was this sense of, of urgency of we have to get the food ready. Um, Jesus was a guest of honor. So that initial intention wasn't bad. It wasn't sinful. It wasn't wrong. Martha is going, I want things ready. I want Jesus to have the best of the best of the best. She felt this urgency to get things done. We often as Christians can feel the urgency to get things done. But Mary felt the urgency to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. She felt the urgency to slow down enough to just sit at his feet, to dare to sit at his feet. Statistics show us that divorce rates spike after couples, kids leave the house. So after they spend their entire lives raising their families, raising their kids, and are now empty nesters, that's when divorce rates spike. And more times than not, statistics and studies show us it's because they realize the only thing that they had in common were their kids. You see, as followers of Jesus, we don't only say yes to Jesus, but we say yes to his mission. We say yes to going and to showing hospitality and to preparing the way and to helping people find a relationship with Jesus, not just in our own cities, but around the world and so much more. Um, a lot of us, we know this, that, that there comes a responsibility with being a follower of Jesus that goes beyond just reading our Bible every day, but we have to do something about it. But what we see here is that we have to be so careful that at the end of our lives, we don't realize the only thing we had in common with Jesus was our spiritual kids, the things that we did for him. And so I want to ask you, just as we dive into this scripture this morning, if you were to meet heaven, if you were to meet Jesus in heaven tomorrow, who is he going to be to you? Is he going to be someone you did a lot of things for? Or is he going to be that friend? Is it going to be like the best reunion you've ever had with your closest friend? See, these questions that we ask, and if we answer them honestly, should lead us to a place of desiring more intimacy with Jesus. So as we talk about what does it look like for us to dare to sit at the feet of Jesus, there's a few points I'm going to walk us through today. And is that we have to dare to choose Jesus. We have to dare to choose 
Jesus. In the same way that you see families that all of a sudden these marriages are destroyed because they realize that they chose everything else over their covenant marriage, we too have to be cautious that we don't choose everything else over our relationship with Jesus. And a lot of times the things that we're choosing, they aren't inherently wrong or inherently bad, but it's not choosing Jesus first. Both sisters started this, but somewhere along the way, Martha got so caught up with the busyness around her that she forgot to choose Jesus. So this is going to take prioritizing Jesus. Choosing him means prioritizing him. And this is a proactive thing. You know, a lot of times we hear the saying that says, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Well, I like to think of it a lot of, of show me your planner and I'll show you your priorities. If you were to look at all the things you're doing throughout the week, it's going to tell us a lot about who you are and who you prioritize and also who you're becoming. Is Jesus one of the people that you're becoming? Jim Rohn says you're the average of the five people you spend your most time with. Is Jesus one of those people? Are you spending so much time with Jesus that you are becoming like him? So my challenge to you with that is to dare to choose Jesus this week and to take a minute to look at your calendar, to take a minute to look at your planner and say, where is my time with Jesus? Man, I'll be the first to admit to you today that even as a pastor of a church and a campus ministry, if you look at my planner, I have to schedule time with Jesus because if I don't, it won't happen because I will get caught up with one thing after another. So I have to, I literally put in my planner, like this is time with Jesus. This is 20 minutes in between these meetings on a Wednesday that you sit and you say the Lord's prayer and you recenter because if I don't, I know I will get so caught up in doing things for him that I'll forget to be with him. After daring to choose, my next point today is daring to listen daring to listen. Verse 39 again says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now it could be easy to read this today and think that Jesus doesn't care about what we do, but that's not true. He does. Um, he cares about serving. We see that throughout scripture where he says, you know, feed the hungry, clothe the poor, um, you know, take care of the widows and the orphans. Like Jesus cares about our serving and our doing and all of those things. Um, but this was a part of of that discipleship process that Mary was in with Jesus as she was being discipled by him. And, and she's one of the people that Jesus decided to let carry out her mission in the same way that he's let us carry out his mission. But if we're not careful, we're going to lose sight of the mission. If we don't continue to put ourselves in positions where we're close enough to hear the voice of Jesus. So many times, we get in this spot where we're going and we're doing and we forget the instructions because we just haven't talked to the instructor in a long, long time. You see, Jesus empowers us today to be his hands and feet. He gave us the power through his Holy Spirit to go and to proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, raise the dead to life, to do all of that. And I believe that God still works in our lives that way. But we have to be so careful that we continue to stay on mission with him and that we know the sound of his voice and we know how he speaks to us. And, and Mary was slowing down to learn his voice. Now, I have three brothers and all of them right now, if you were to pick up the phone, anybody that's listening to this, you probably wouldn't be able to tell, you know, who's who because they all sound the same. However, I know even though their voices sound the same, I can tell exactly which brother is calling me one caller ID. But even if we didn't have caller ID and I didn't see their name pop up, I could tell it because I have spent 
hours with them. I mean, I grew up with them. I, I listened to their voices through the years as they changed, as they developed, as they went from these, you know, squeaky, high-pitched voices to the little voice cracks to now these deep, manly voices. Like, I, I was there through all of that. So I know the sound of my brother's voices, even though there's three of them, and to other people, it sounds the same. Do you know Jesus' voice in a way that you could hear a ton of voices that sound the same, but you have spent so much time with him through a long amount of time that you can hear his voice out of any crowd, out of any confusion? That's the type of relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. And sometimes it takes us daring to listen and slow down to listen to his voice so that we can continue to recognize it moving forward. First Kings 19, 11 through 12. I love this story where it says, the Lord says, go out and stand. He's saying this to Elijah on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God was in the whisper in this story in the Old Testament. And oftentimes we see God speak in the whisper. But in order to hear the whisper, you need to lean in close. In order to hear a whisper, you can't be on the other side of the room. You have to be close. And and I love that when you look at what a whisper is, it's just, it's almost described as this silent like breath type voice. So I mean, Nobody actually likes to be close enough to anyone where you can feel their breath. If you do, you're a different kind of person. But I never want to be that close to someone where I can feel their breath on me. But that's that's how close he wants us to be to him. That we can feel his breath. That we can hear that whisper so closely. But in order to hear the whisper, we have to choose to lean in close. God's desire is not that we would be miles apart but he wants when we get to heaven for it to be the greatest reunion. And that's not going to happen if we don't recognize him and we don't know his voice. Do you hear the whisper? And are you taking time to listen and to slow down? The next point today is, is daring to slow down. Now, how many of you today, um, I, I won't be able to see your hands, but would say, I, I love naps. Like I love taking naps. Um, for me, I always laugh at when people say like, oh, I just want a good nap or something. I can't take naps. I am a terrible, terrible napper. Um, and a lot of it is because when I, I go ahead and I like lay down to take a nap, my brain just can't shut off. I can't do it. I have so many things running, running in my head. Sometimes it's like I'm responding to emails in my head and I'm, and I'm planning messages in my head and I'm thinking through meetings in my head and all of these things. And I think from the outside looking in, sometimes we think of taking a nap or like, oh, that's easy. Like taking a nap is easy. Like that's almost lazy. Like, to, oh, you just get to go sleep. But sometimes taking a nap can be really, really hard because in order to get your body in a place where you can relax, you first have to clear your mind so that it's not running in circles. You first have to calm down. You have to stop thinking and doing all of these things to put yourself in a place of rest. And honestly, sometimes when you think of this, unhurrying yourself and putting yourself in a place of rest and even just taking a simple nap can be the most trusting thing that you ever do. Why? Because you're trusting that while you're snoozing, that other people are responding to the emails, that other people are making the dinner, that other people are picking up the kids from school, that other, that this, 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 that nobody's dying on your watch while you're taking a nap. 
we think about that when it comes to things like napping, we're like, it's easy, it's easy, but it's really actually difficult and requires a lot of trust. And the same thing goes for when we look at Mary and from the outside looking in, you can say, well, she was being lazy here. I mean, there she is. She's not working. She's not helping Martha. But that showed us that she was willing to slow down and trust that everything else was going to be fine or it just wasn't worth her not having rest and having that moment to sit at the feet of Jesus. There's another time where we see Mary and, and Jesus interact, but this time it's Jesus who's the one who's unhurried. In, in John um, 11, it talks about this story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And what happens is Lazarus is sick and he's dying and people send for Jesus and Jesus doesn't come right away. Instead, he waits. And by the time he gets there, we see this conversation take place between Mary and Jesus. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, here's the thing that we see in this story is that now in this moment, Jesus is the one who's unhurried. Jesus is the one who's unhurried. Now, um, spoiler to this story, you can read it another time. Lazarus does die. Then Jesus comes, heals him. He raises him back to life. It's this incredible miracle. And, and we see this take place here in this story. But what I love about this is it shows us that Jesus was unhurried. But now Mary was frustrated. Mary was the one saying, come on, speed it up. Even though at another point, right, she also has sat at Jesus' feet. But now she's saying, speed it up, like, let's go. But it shows us here that he was so present with the Father and his plan that he didn't feel this need. Yes, he saw the need that this man needed to be raised back to life, but he wasn't willing to rush. He still lived with this slow, unhurried pace. But now, in this moment, Mary had slowed down enough that she was faced with herself. She was faced with her frustration and she's taking it to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Will you come? Will you hurry? And I want us to think about this today because when is the last time in your life that you slowed down enough to face yourself, that you slowed down enough to face what you were really feeling, what was really going on in your life? This summer, I took a sabbatical trip where I was gone for six weeks and I turned off the emails, I turned off the phone, I, I, I did it all, and I took time to just be with Jesus. I did about a week of silence and solitude in the mountains, and the first night, I wept. I just wept because it was the first time in a long time that I slowed down enough to just face myself, to face my sin, to face my fears, to face my frustrations. But what we see happen here is that when Mary is faced with herself and she slows down and she communicates that with Jesus, Jesus welcomes it. Jesus welcomes the frustration. He welcomes the fears. He welcomes all of it. And then he takes it on for her so she doesn't have to. You see, when we slow down enough to be with Jesus and to face what's actually going on in our lives, he comes and he heals it and he restores it. And more than that, he welcomes it because Jesus desires for us to live an unhurried life where we dare to sit at his feet, where we dare to choose him. We dare to listen to him. We dare to slow down and we dare to trust. So what are some practical ways that you can start to unhurry? Man, I would encourage you today, uh, some things you could write down. Practice going the speed limit this week. 
practice leaving your house on time and early enough time for work that you can go the speed limit. That's just a practical way that we can practice. And if you already do that, you are a way better person than I am. Turn off notifications at a certain time at the end of the night. Um, if you have a phone where you're getting texts or you're getting messages or notifications, turn them off at a certain hour of the night so that you can be unhurried and you can slow your body down. Try showing up 10 minutes early for a meeting just to center yourself and to thank Jesus and pray over what you're about to walk into. You see, as we choose to follow Jesus and follow his missions and to be his disciples, it's a process of discipleship. And every single practical discipline that we instill is helping us become more like him. The hardest thing though, is that at the end of it all, we have to choose to trust Jesus. We have to trust that while we're sitting at his feet and we're spending time with him, that he's taking care of the rest. He ends this moment with Mary and Martha going back in, into Luke where we read, where he says, few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it won't be taken from her. Man, if I were Martha, I would have been all sorts of frustrated and mad when it's, when I'm the one saying, Jesus, like, come on, she's just sitting here and now I'm getting the one told off. I'm the one that now Jesus is putting in my place. But she was distracted and Jesus is saying, hey, that stuff is good, but only one is needed. The way that you're running around and you're doing all these things for me, that's good. But I want you to know that before I created you to be anything else, I just created you to be with me. And I believe that he wants some of you to hear that this morning, that before he, he created you to be mom, to be dad, to be grandma, to be grandpa, to be daughter, to be sister, to be brother, to be uncle, to be um, manager, to be doctor, to be nurse, to be whatever it is, whatever those titles that you have are, he created you to be with him first. But to sit at his feet, you have to trust that the dishes are going to get done. You have to trust that the healing will take place. You have to trust that the work will be finished. You have to trust Jesus in order to sit at his feet. The average person spends five hours on their phone in our culture. Will you trust Jesus with 20 of those minutes to turn off the phone and to just spend it with him? Mary sitting at his feet shows us that childlike faith. That she wanted to be a disciple. She wanted more than anything to just sit at his feet. In closing today, I want to encourage you that Jesus loves it when you choose to sit at his feet. Life can be so overwhelming, but I want you to know today that you were created to overcome every single thing that overwhelms you today. Every single thing that overwhelms you, you were created to overcome. How? By choosing Jesus, by choosing to sit so close to him that you're listening to him and you can hear the whisper. By choosing to slow down enough that your body can rest and you can experience the gift of rest that he's given us. By choosing to trust, that's how we overcome. It's with Jesus. But we have to be proactive and we have to prioritize that. So I want you to think today in reflection, do you need to choose Jesus? Do you need to just look, choose to look away from everything else and look in his direction? Do you need to stop looking at other people and other places and just look at Jesus? Do you need to slow down today? What does your calendar say and your planner say about who you are and your priorities? The creator of the universe wants to spend time with you. Are you making time for him? Do you need to listen? Do you need to come close? Has there been some distance between you and Jesus? What's causing that distance? 
How can you lean in close to him again to turn down the noise of everything else around you? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Do you carry heavy burdens today? Come to Jesus. Are you overwhelmed? Let him help you overcome do you need rest for your soul? Come to Jesus. If you're feeling pain, if you're feeling hurt, choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because when we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, we choose to listen to him. We choose to slow down. We choose to trust. We choose intimacy with him. We choose a life that's going to say someday when we get to heaven, it's not going to be just about what we did for Jesus, but it's going to be a reunion with the greatest friend. And that's what he desires for you today. He desires for you to have that close, intimate relationship, but it's going to require us to be daring and bold enough in a world that maybe it's risky to be associated with him to say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I'm listening to you. Jesus, I'm slowing down. And Jesus, I trust you. So I want to pray for you today as we close. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word that you've spoken to us that is still true today. And I pray for each of us that you would help us to process in which ways we need to choose you, in which ways we need to listen and lean in close enough to hear. God, would you show us the ways in our life that we need to slow down, we need to remove distractions. God, in ways that we just need to trust you. Trust that you are working when we can't see it. Trust that you are going far beyond what we could ever think or imagine because you love us. And more than anything, God, would you help us to know today that before you created us to be anything else, you simply created us to be with you and that is your desire. So Lord, we love you and we thank you that you welcome us to sit at your feet and to bring everything that we're feeling, everything that we're facing, and we can surrender it to your feet and trust that you We'll take care of it because you are a good God and you are faithful and we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.